How do you handle pets at work? That is, your own pets. Do you allow your staff to bring their pets to work? And if so, how do you handle the drama that unfolds? This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to The Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And a tough topic that we have covered before, but we are now going to cover it again, is how do you handle your own staff's pets at work? Many of us have workplaces where we're allowed to bring our pets to work, but how do we handle it when things don't go as well as we would like? But before we talk about all of the things not going so well, I'm one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And Becky, this seems to be another perennial problem in veterinary practice, and that is a lot of alliteration right there. But getting back to, we like to have a workplace that is, you know more enjoyable. And part of that means bringing your pets to work. And so some places allow you to bring your pets to work. But what happens if you have six pets? What happens if you have a sick pet? Who takes care of the pets? Becky, there are a lot of questions I have. What about you? Yeah. And I think it's, I I think the reason it's worth like revisiting is post COVID. Right. I think things changed a little bit in COVID. I mean, I have a pit bull who literally cannot be left alone. She is unbelievably terrible. I mean, Two seconds alone, and she is into stuff. She has, like, serious, serious anxiety, separation anxiety, as do I from her. Um, And I think post-COVID, we're seeing more and more of this situation where longer shifts, unpredictable, hey, I couldn't live with my parents because they're high risk, so now I have to bring my dog to work because. So I think post-COVID, this is a new old issue. Right. And, and again, you know, I think there's two things we want to discuss today, viewfinders. One is you bringing your normal, healthy, regular pet to work with you because that's part of your perks or benefits. So you get to bring your dog to work day every day. And then there's also the times whenever they need medical attention or care or just routine visits, right, Becky? So let's start off with the clinics that say, hey, part of the benefit of working here is you can bring your pets to work, right? I mean, is that something that you're seeing more places advertise or are they backing off on it or how does that work? I see more corporate practices. No corporations saying you can bring your pet to work and this is a quote-unquote perk, then I see clinics and clinic jobs. I don't think that's something that they talk about outwardly. I think it's something that people ask for and they're told they would be allowed to or not. Um, I don't see it advertised as a perk in our profession. Right. And, and again, they're, I'm not going to name it, but maybe one of the largest uh, veterinary corporate owned entities <laughs> They at their corporate headquarters, that is something that they advertise. You can bring your yes. pets to work. So it's a pet friendly and they actually have a, a whole area that you can actually go and play with your dog and let your dog sit and your cat and all that stuff. I guess probably not a lot of people bring their cats, but some do, I'm sure. But Becky, so the corporate office gets to do it, but the, the clinic level, not so much. Is that fair? Yeah. And what's really interesting when you say that is um, I've seen uh, some of the corporate um, insurance companies are also that way and they even hire pet walkers. Right, right. So they have an in-house dog walker there to take care of your dog, pet, cat, turtle, I don't know, whatever you're bringing, they got a person. And I think it's such an interesting point because one of the biggest things that I see happening in the groups and the chats and the questions that people ask me when we're doing sort of coaching sessions in clinic is 
this is something that is getting out of hand. We had one person who had to bring one dog for one reason and the dog's always with them. And then other people saw it happening. So then other people started doing it too. Now our back is full of dogs and our kennel person is in charge or they're not taken care of or they're not cleaning up their pets. So this is the conversation that from six years ago when you and I started, this has not changed. And it just seems to be still a conversation is it seems to be something that is allowed as an exception, becomes a standard, people take advantage of it, and then it has to get reeled back in. So it becomes a cyclic problem. Right. And again, viewfinders, this is a very common scenario in clinical practice. So I want to I want to table the corporate part because I think that can sometimes, you know, trickle down into unfairness to the people in the clinic level. But getting back yeah. to it, so now Becky has a dog with extreme separation anxiety. And so to help her come to work because maybe she had to call in sick multiple times. Her manager says, Becky, just bring your dog with you. Okay. And, and you know, we'll get this sorted out. Well, a week turns into a month, turns into a forever situation. And suddenly now this is causing drama within the clinic, right? Becky, I mean, did I just outline what happens all across the country on the daily? Literally 100%. Yes. Because all of a sudden somebody gets a dog who is unruly, who barks all day, who destroys blankets, who poops and paints. So it becomes not just this like kind of no problem dog who lays back in the clinic and like her, her blankets are set up and she's there for a reason and everybody enjoys her. Now it's everybody's pets and they become a problem. Right. And again, the manager is just doing this because they're saying, Hey Becky, we need you to work. I need you to be fully focused. Right. Because you're like being distracted by worried that your dog is going to destroy your home or whatever. My simply safe alarm going off telling me (laughs) that my house is full of water because she's destroyed it. Yeah. Right. And, And so then again, what happens is this, this starts to appear you know, unfair within the workplace because like, well, why can't, why does Becky get to bring her dog? You know, my dog doesn't like being left alone all day either, right? I mean, so you can see how this just cascades out of control very quickly. Now then, Becky, couple that with you're on social media and you're scrolling around and you're constantly seeing these people in these cushy corporate jobs. <laughs> they have their their golden retriever seated by their little cubicle, right? And you're like, well, this isn't fair, right? I mean, you know, these people, I, I do the work for that company. <laughs> you know, that person mm-hmm. in the cubicle, I'm paying your your salary. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and again, viewfinders, I know that that is an extreme uh, attitude, but come on, we all feel that way from time to time. <laughs> I'm sure, you know, and so you're going, come on, why can't I bring my pet to, to work? And and of course we can't. I mean, Becky, help me. <laughs> well, I, there's, yes. And like, that's the thing is like, well, you don't have a desk job. If you want a desk job, go and apply for that job. And that is that job's perk. The, we talk about this all the time, but getting ahead of it in policies and what happens is it becomes reactionary. Right. So we have one employee who needs to bring their dog You know, and it always starts out innocent, right? They ate something they shouldn't have or they, like, for example, her TPLOs, right? I couldn't leave her alone all day, so she would have had to come to work with me for six months because she has to be monitored after her TPLOs. Well, now I can't leave her at home because she's got separation anxiety. She sees me leaving for work. We did it every day for six months. She makes me feel bad. She never caused a problem. And then what happens is, is this dog who doesn't cause a problem, who is better off at work, now there's a dog who does cause a problem who comes in and we have to do what's fair. And it's funny because a lot of my compassion satisfaction lecture that I do is about getting off of the idea that everything has to be fair and fairly distributed and fairly, you know, equal for everyone. Life is not fair, right? Life is not fair. And everything does not fit into the same scenario. So for example, like to be perfectly honest, 
we'll use Layla for an example because Layla would not actually even be good if I took her to a clinic and put her in a crate. She (laughs) does this like left, right, left, right, left, right bounce until she literally dies. Like she will overheat and pass out. She cannot be separated from me in a cage. So let's just say I bring her. So now then the kennel person is in the back and they're like, Hey, your dog is panting, stressed, barking, annoying. This is a problem. Now she's causing a problem. So, this is what seems to happen. I'm like, well, she's causing, she's just annoying you, right? Like, let's just say she's not actually doing anything really wrong. She's just barking constantly and that's annoying. Does now everyone in the clinic have to suffer and they can't bring their pet because I have a barky dog who won't settle down and is annoying. Um, I think this is where it's a slippery slope for practice managers. And if you're going to have this policy, it has to be, so clear and all of the do's all of the don'ts and then you have to write yourself that loophole that says at the discretion this can be removed at the discretion your pet can be excluded it has to be really super clear and if you're in a scenario where someone quote-unquote needs to bring their pet you don't allow pets but they quote-unquote need to bring their pet this is not a time to just throw an easy answer this is a time to like whoa, if I allow this, other people are going to see this and I cannot just explain to them, well, you know, Layla had a TPLO and she needs to be watched because that scenario is going to come up for someone else. This is a time that it's not personal, it's professional and you really have to decide what this looks like as a clinic. And if you are going to say yes, it can never be as easy as just a yes. It has to be yes and these are the stipulations. You will take your pet out. You will pick up. You will have one strike and then nothing, you know, or this will be zero tolerance. Or if it is a problem, you will have to arrange for someone to come get your pet. I will not let you leave the clinic for the day to go take them home. Like, you have to slow down and really pull apart everything that could possibly go wrong here. And it's so hard and it's so annoying because it seems like a no-brainer. Of course, one of the best things about working in vet med would be that we'd be able to bring our pets, right? That we, would, we wouldn't have to be separated from them all day. But it is, it's <laughs> like bringing your pets to a place where sick, stressed, unhealthy it's it's not the dog park like like when you're bringing your pet to corporate practice there's not a bunch of other pet problems going on right so it's a, it's easier to keep them there keep them calm and to isolate them into their own situation i've seen this turn into so many things where it's like oh well now we don't have room for borders because there's too many oh, pets absolutely. there absolutely absolutely yeah, right yeah. And then we're losing money or now they're like, well, I can't keep my, I I have to go home because my pet's at home. So I can't stay late and do this emergency. I, it is a pickle. It is a quandary. I don't <laughs> at all envy hospital managers, but I really think this is one that needs to like slow down inventory this policy and really decide what you're going to allow and not allow. Right. And, and Becky, I mean, we we found ourselves in this pickle that you described. I mean, this happened early on in my career and we had a technician who had a dog that was recovering from an orthopedic surgery. It was a total hip and she needed to bring it into work. And like you just, I mean, like we described it, it started out, it was like, it's going to be like a week, you know, to get us through. And then a week was uh, two weeks, then it was a month. And then the surgeon said, hey, we still need to, to do more physical uh, rehab 
have with this dog. And so before we knew it, you know, we were like three months in. And so yeah. Laura and I realized, wow, we need a policy about this. And so basically our policy, we we felt the simplest solution was that you could not bring your pet to the clinic to, to stay, to board, to be kept in the hospital ward, whatever, without permission from the manager or owner. So like we just kind of cut through the, we didn't allow exceptions. We said you need permission. And that, that definitely helped us moving forward because, you know, Becky, I think that you're right. I mean, so many of us, we, we see these things on social media. We want that, but at the same time, ask yourself, you know, well, why didn't your pediatrician bring all their children or the nurses to work at the pediatrics office? You know, why, why aren't their kids like hanging out in the lobby? It's the same, same issue, right? It's, it's a total distraction and we just don't have the resources to be able to accommodate it. So I would really encourage you, like Becky said, you need to think about if you do not have a written policy about this, you need to do one now. I mean, quite frankly, Becky, because it will blow up on you, right? I mean, and that's what happened to us. We really, Really, we upset this technician tremendously because we ultimately we were getting so many complaints from the people in the kennel who were having to actually do the rehab and clean the cage and you know I'll do all the stuff and they were like this isn't fair right we're not and literally one of them came up to Laura and said we're not getting paid to do this <laughs> then he's like yeah. oh you're you're right I mean we get it but you know that's not to sound cold hearted Becky but you know the reality is we just didn't have the resources to to help them. Right. And and that's the thing is, is if it's going to be like, uh, what's the policy? We have one recovery cage for a sick pet. And if it's taken, it's taken. And if the pet's sick, it's sick. We're not going to allow it at all. I, you have to do what's right for you in your clinic. Um, you, you, I, I think you should consult with your team and you should be a team conversation to say, Hey, this is something you guys are asking for, or you want, or this is something that's happening and it's out of control. And I want to do what's fair, but because the the thing I see the most happening is people taking advantage of it. And that's where the problem comes in, right? Is now we've got dirty kennels and somebody's like, it's not my job to clean it or, oh, I'll come in early and clean it. Or, you know, I'm just tired. It's the end of the day. Our our kennel team gets stuck with their taking care of. Like, I remember when Layla used to come to work with me in the very beginning when she was a pup, I paid our kennel staff to take care. Like I tipped them regularly. If they were taking her out in the middle of the day because I was busy, I'd give them money. If they gave her a bath because she was stinky, I gave them money. Like I paid them uh, on top of what they were getting paid because I was creating extra work for them that was not part of their job. And they didn't have to do it, but they would come to me and say, Hey, I think Layla needs to go out. You want me to take her out? Oh, that'd be great. I would make sure I left them like a five bucks or a little present or something, some Starbucks. Like you got to pay that off, but we were small enough. We could handle it. Um, I, I I think that the problem is, is it ends up dumping on someone else. Yeah. Is This is what I see the most of it becoming a problem. I see a lot of tolerance even around space issues because, oh, that's fine. Just lock your dog in here with me at the office. Right, you know, that's right. perfectly fine. You know, the office manager, for example, a lot of times gets to bring their dog because they don't need a kennel, right? Mm. Then the office manager gets to walk out and take her dog on a walk whenever she wants to in the middle of the day because the dog's got to go. How's that look to everybody? Terrible. <laughs> uh, right. I know. I've seen that before. It is awful. When the, awful, right? Yeah. And, and the vet, the vets get to do it too, right? The, the vets, vets do it keep too. Keep their they dog in the in office. office. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, so oh, I don't have an office, so I don't have anywhere to put my dog, so my dog doesn't get to come. Yeah. It seems really low key and minimal and fine, but you, it really can cause some issues within the clinic and and stir the pot. So I think it's a conversation that has to be had with everyone. And as we always say, it has to be a check-in. So like if you change this policy and no pets allowed at work, don't drop it and pretend it never happened in your yeah. next meeting. How is this working? Like you guys have had to leave your pets at home. Are you, is it, 
are you, if I say to you, like, it's a becoming a real problem. Like I have to pay somebody to let my dog out every day at lunch. Now it's costing me X more dollars. I have an employee who I'm going to lose right there. Like I have an employee who's going to find a job that will let me bring the dog because they're losing money. Now you see what I'm saying? So it's something that's got to be a real true conversation because I think for a lot of folks, the number one thing about being in vet med is that they get to keep their pets with them or they get to get their pets care. We've even had this conversation and and we can transition here if you want to is what happens when your pet's sick and you bring them and now there's a full day schedule of care and you need your pet worked in. Um, it is a perk, but it is also a problem. Yeah. And, and again, that is where I want to transition because, okay, I think most of us can say, and I think a lot of you are probably listening today, you're like, well, that's not a problem at our clinic. You know, it's not relevant, blah, blah, blah. It probably will be if you don't have a written policy. But anyway, you do have to confront when it's time to treat your own staff's sick pets, or maybe they're just there for their routine visit, right? And so, like Becky said, I think that we have to go into it with clear expectations. And and I think I'll never forget years ago, similar situation. And again, I've, 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 I bear the scars of these situations and, and a tech brings in her cat and it was not uh, an emergency, but to her it was. And look, we all, you know, perceptions and is reality. We get that. But, you know, so I remember one of my associates just kind of looked at the cat and said, oh, it's fine. I'll get to in just a little bit. Well, that wasn't good enough, Becky. <laughs> and you know where this went. This went yeah. straight to me and they're like, you know, doctor such and such, she won't look at my cat and I think it's really bad off and blah, 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 blah. So will you come look at it? So then of course I'm not fully versed in what's going on. I go step in and now I've upset everybody (laughs) because now my associate's like, Hey, you went behind me. You undermine me. (laughs) Like, so it was a total catastrophe. So Becky, again, how do we manage those expectations? So you work in a vet clinic, you think your pet is sick or your pet is sick, let's just say, and and you bring it in. And I mean, should you expect to go to the front of the line? Should you say, I'm going to wait my turn or we're going to get it in between? I mean, what, what do you, how, do, how can we help with that? Oh my God. It's so hard because pet owner Becky has a different answer than office manager consultant <laughs> right, Becky. Right, right. Um, because it, there does have to be some perks for being in veterinary medicine, yep. right? There does have to be. Agreed. What, what I think is best is clinics that have a policy that do have emergency visits and you can put your pet on the schedule. So I think that's where I see the biggest problem come in is they don't put them on the schedule. They don't feel like they can, um, or there isn't a policy where you can, or there's not urgent care visits where, where extra appointments could go. And so it becomes a verbal note to a busy doctor. Hey, my cat needs to get looked at when you get a moment. Right. And so then you're trying to be polite, but then you're, first of all, you're not mentally totally there because you're worried about your cat the whole time. And you, you're kind of, staring at your veterinarian side of their head the whole day, like Come you're on. not doing anything really important <laughs> right. right now. Could you look at my cat? Right. You know, in my experience, generally I like go and get my cat and then I just stand in the exam room until a veterinarian walks up and says, like, right. this is cat needs. And it's like, here, here, let me tell you. Um, but I think there has to be like you have to get on the schedule. You have to have a spot to be seen. And if you can't be, then maybe you do need to be excused and go to the emergency clinic where your pet, like, I don't know because I don't have the right answer, but I think it has to fit in the way a quote unquote client would fit in, in a couple ways, because one, you're charging me. I do, I may get a discount, but I do have to pay for right. this quote unquote visit. 
am I charged an office visit or not? Like if I have employees who want pets who are seen, who want to be prioritized, can I charge them a discounted office visit and give them a spot on the calendar? Like, is that the policy? Um, I think that quote unquote working in sick pets is a really slippery slope. And I think that because, um, it is a setup for a lot of animosity, a, a lot of animosity yeah, yeah, for sure. You've got somebody who wants that veterinarian in a room because they're already behind on appointments. And inevitably it feels like there's somebody who it's always their pet. It's either, it's either that they have a hundred pets. So it's always one of their pets or they have a very sick pet. So it's always that pet. Um, it is a tough one. And so I think that there has to be in general spaces for urgent care visits. And I think employee pets have to be considered in that if you're going to be charging them. And if you are bringing your pet, you have to expect to pay and to get into a spot. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? This is a tough one. Yeah, it it is. And and again, I always sort of just went to this default of I'm going to see them as soon and quickly as possible. So uh, for me, most of the time, the way it would look out is so you brought in your cat and and it's sick or whatever, and I'm going to go straight to that first thing because I know that I can do a very, very quick exam and get us going in some direction. So I felt like sometimes it was like, okay, let's respiratory, let's do chest rads, right? Or or worried about... uh, some some organ failure, kidney disease or kidney infection. Let's get a urinalysis or blood test or whatever, right? So I felt like if I could just get them going almost in a triage situation that most of the time that was what the tech wanted or, or the employee wanted, right? It's like, okay, you're doing it. We're now moving through the process. So I felt like I could expedite it that way. So I will say, I will be the first to admit, yeah, I prioritized them, Becky. Like I didn't put them on the schedule. I just said, oh, Becky, uh, is Princess uh, not feeling well? Let's take a quick peek, right? So what's the temperature? And I assume that you had already done a lot of the work for me, to be honest, right? Like you'd already done the TPR, you got the weight, you know, you take whatever respiratory, whatever I needed, right? Uh, but having said that, I then just put you off in a direction. I ho- hope that helped a little bit. I did. I prioritized my staff. I, I Maybe that's wrong, but that's what I did. I kind of love it. I think, I don't think it's wrong. I think it's actually best. Um, I, I think that it is something that needs to be Okay, so like in your scenario, that's great. But like what happens when there's eight doctors and then we get into the problem where... Like I just described with the associate who seemed to dismiss. She just goes, it's fine. We'll get to it later. And that wasn't good enough. Yeah, Or so-and-so doesn't want me to see their pet. Like do they don't trust me? Or I only want Dr. So-and-so. Okay, now all the staff is only wants Dr. Ernie to see their pet. Now it's a little bit harder to prioritize. Um, Or Dr. Ernie comes in and four pets are sick from employees and they right. only want him to see it. Right. <laughs> Those there. are kind of the unraveling <laughs> right. situations, but they can happen. I do agree. I think that they should be prioritized. And I think a lot of times, a lot of times your technicians like, Hey, I just want permission to run blood and get this extra. Exactly. Like, can I go ahead and do the diagnostics? I think are important. Yes. So I think there is a little bit of midpoint of that. I personally love that you prioritized it because you're not going to have a team member. You're missing a staff member until that cat is getting worked up because they're mentally not there. I think for me, part of it is a matter of, of that individual is it's like, I need that person to take, to be a good pet owner. And I need to that person to be good employee. How do I, make both happen in this building at the same time in the same hour. And I think that's the problem for me is I have an employee who's more worried about their pet than they are working, or I have somebody who can't get their job done because there's a sick pet. And that's the part that I think kind of 
is difficult. Now, for you, was there ever any limitations? Did you have people taking advantage of this? Like, how? What happens when it gets unraveled? Yeah, we we did. We we uh, had one employee who actually did not last very long, uh, and we did start to look very carefully at how many pets they had. But she had a lot of cats, about thirteen cats, and uh, yeah, it became a revolving door. Like every day, there was a new cat in there with some ailment, and so that. And, and again, uh, quite frankly, this person just wasn't a good fit for us. Not just because of this, but that was a part of the problem. And, uh, and so I think that, you know, yeah, that, that, that did, I felt like I was very much taken advantage of. I felt like she was, you know, it's, and and we talked about this uh, a few years ago. And that that is the fact that you really also have to sort of contain those benefits because giving like free annual care for one dog versus 13 cats (laughs) <laughs> that's a yeah. dis- that is really disproportionate, and that's that is not fair, right? And because this person is getting paid a lot more, so you, you do have to take into account all of those elements when you're hiring and, and when you're providing services. But but yes, I felt there were a couple of times. Although I'll tell you what, what I always I, I remember talking to a lot of associates because they would sometimes complain that a staff member brought in a dog or cat and it wasn't legitimately sick, right? And I would say that's exactly what we want because see, they know they they treat the client the same way. So when the client comes in. And the dog is quote unquote limping and it's running around the lobby. And we all know that's just the endorphins kicking yeah, in. But, yeah. but We've you know, all been there. right. But, but the reality is now they, they have a perspective, right? So they go, hey, I'm the same way, Mrs. Smith. You know, when my baby, I feel like she's limping at home, I'm first getting her in here right away. Like I want that sentiment expressed as opposed to a technician or an employee who's just going to ignore it until the dog's leg falls off. And then they say, yeah. hey, I think there's a problem. So I think there's a balance there for sure. Because I think if you chastise or in some way judge that staff member for bringing in a dog or cat when it's really not life-threatening, you know, then then they're going to be more hesitant to do it in the future. And I think this carries over into how they judge clients. That's just my own personal experience and observation. How about you? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, we all have coworkers who are chicken little, right? The sky yeah, yeah, yeah. is falling and it doesn't matter what is happening. The sky is falling. And I am... It's funny because I was raised by a nurse whose father was a doctor. So, like, as a child, you truly needed to be in some form of organ failure to complain (laughs) or to get any kind of medical attention. Like, you were in embarrassment if it was anything less than a broken bone or or a defaulty organ. And it needed to be a compound fracture, quite frankly, because otherwise, you know. It better be poking out of your skin. Like (laughs) It better point the wrong direction if you're going to call me off at dinner. And I... You know, we were all raised, like, my generation were raised by moms in the 80s who, like, didn't want to be interrupted on the phone while we were setting things on fire. Like, I think that that is residual trauma for all of us, you know, and, and, and we're similar that way, right? Like, we're like, well, my pet's got to be doing this before I feel like I need to take up somebody else's time. Um, It is a great teachable moment for sure to say, here are the signs that this is an emergency or isn't an emergency. But I do think that it, it, any opportunity, honestly, I and I have said this since I've been out of practice. I've been saying this for six years. Anytime you are have an opportunity to be a client or have a client experience, it is good. It is really good yeah. because it is humbling and it is a great reminder of how difficult our clients' situation yes. is yes. when they're when they're sitting there right in that moment when they're worried and then the thing goes away or what you know right. Whatever it is. Again, I, I told you I right, uh, last week, brought my cat to the ER, blocked. I called ahead of time. He's blocked. I'm going to make you do triage stat. They got him in the back, extruded his penis. He peed all over the table. You know, and I'm like, he was blocked at home. I am a vet tech. I could tell you, I watched him strain. I felt his bladder. It was there. He couldn't get it out. 
but you extruded in, moved things. It was fine. So they didn't have the same level of emergency that I had. But I was like, I saw this at home. I, it's been 40 minutes drive for me to get here. I, I need this taken care of. It, to me, this is that important because it could go bad. Then they get in their back and they're like, oh, it, it can't be very blocked because I'm covered in cat pee now. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, there, there are different scenarios. But their answer to me was, nope, I, things change. We know right. totally this could have been at home, blah, 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 blah. As a client, so like if I was not a veterinary technician, that would have been such a good teachable moment to say, well, we got him to pee, but you did the right thing because he could have died. He, it, it is an extreme emergency and you should never wait. So right. it, it would have been a great teachable moment, right? It happens to all of us. But I think that the overall culture makes a big difference. But being ahead of this is so important because I think you can unravel in a relationship with one of your employees so quickly. So quickly. If you don't feel, or they don't feel like their pet is prioritized and they're like, why would I even work here? And and I think the real scary part is when you work for a clinic, you trust them more than anyone, right? I'm here because I trust you. I'm here because I respect you. And I don't have anywhere else to go because of this. And, and listen, that scenario that I described that happened to me, that I think the reason that I still remember it is because that employee, that vet tech harbored animosity towards that vet for quite yeah. some time. Like, you know, th- that was not just like a one and done. It was like, she was angry with this person because she felt dismissed and belittled yeah. and, and, and felt like, you know, Hey, I don't count for this person. Person. And so there, that we really we worked through that. Now it all worked out in the end, but this was you know a month or so of them kind of you know icy stairs, you know. And oh, of, sure. And I'm of, not going to give you the clients that I think need emotional stroking. You yeah, know what I mean? I now point. don't trust you to take good emotional care of my clients. And I think a lot of times technicians are very protective of our clients. I do think that we have a level of relationship with our clients in a lot of cases where we do the coddling and we do the handling. And if I trust my client to you and you make them feel bad, you will never see my client again. Yeah. You and, and God help me, if you work on commission, you will be giving Bordetellas for the next eight <laughs> months if I have anything to say about that's, it. That's true. It is <laughs> and, so and true. as your technician, I probably do have something to say about it. So. Yeah. I have distributed clients according to the vet that I feel that they need to see for the scenario or the situation that they're in. And you violated a trust that is now going to trickle down that I don't trust you. I don't trust you with my clients, let alone my pet now. Right. And, and again, the best advice that you can take away from this conversation, viewfinders, is that you need to have this conversation with your staff. You should actually, part of your regular staff training meeting, you should say, hey, how should we handle, you know, a, a a client, I'm sorry, a staff member who has a pet that has special needs that maybe needs to board with us for long term. What about when you have routine care? What about if your pet is sick? Like you need to have that kind of conversation, that transparency to help develop some kind of policy and protocols so that you can be, as Becky always says, proactive, get ahead of it. Because if you don't, let me tell you, these things fall apart quickly. Yeah, because I've even been in a scenario where my pet did have an appointment. They were there for a healthy visit. And you didn't get to them. I've had to bring my pet three or four times because days have gotten really busy and out of control. And I need this Bordetella. I'm going on vacation and my pet does actually have to board. So I think that there are scenarios where even healthy pets need to get worked into our schedules somewhere. And we are still not necessarily doing it right. And so um, all of those scenarios need to be worked out, considered. Will you allow them PTO? Will you allow them paid to run that dog home and go get them? What does that look like? And how can you make it even across the board? where 
office manager to kennel staff. Right. And again, that's just another way of taking advantage of employees, in my opinion, Becky. I mean, the cobbler's kids have no shoes. In this situation, you're going, hey, you can bring your dog back tomorrow because we're too busy to deal with it today. And the optics on that are bad. Viewfinders, what do you think? Do you have policies, protocols to handle your employees' pets at work? If so, what do they look like? We'd really like to hear from you. Please do let us know because you guys sometimes do things so creative and you'll say these staff members bring them Monday, Wednesday, Friday, these staff members, right. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. It doesn't matter. It's a lotto. I know you guys are doing creative, beautiful things. We want to hear about it. You can send us your information. Tell us what you're doing on Facebook and Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder. We are cold shoulder and Twitter for a second, but you can always send an email to veterinaryviewfinder at gmail.com. That's right, guys. Good luck. And we cannot wait to talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.